Listen up. I won't sugarcoat it. This is the longest cold flu and allergy season we've ever seen, but we're not alone. We've got Instacart. Sure, you may be a coughing snot faucet who just wants mommy, but you're not giving up! Not when cold medicine, fragrant herbal teas, and honey shaped like bears can be delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. Now let's go win the sick playoffs! Daddy, I just want my soup. Oh, sorry, Sport App says it'll be here in, in a few minutes. <laughs> Instacart for the win. <laughs> It's time to get green. Doug Oster and Jessica Walliser are in the house. All natural, no pesticides, no artificial ingredients. The Organic Gardeners. News Radio 1020, KDKA. All right, before we shuffle off to Buffalo, where they are the star attraction, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I want to remind you that it is the Organic Gardeners. Time for you to get on the line and let them work for their breakfast. 866-391-1020. Dollar Bank Instant Access, KDK.com, of course, Doug Oster, Jessica Walliser. They, of course, from TripLive.com are in Buffalo for a very special weekend. But the show rolls on. And we'll take the 10th caller right now to win that $25 gift certificate from Sorgles at 412-922-1020. Ladies and gentlemen, on the Disc Institute of Pittsburgh Newsline, that dy- dynamic duo of the garden, it is Jessica Walliser and Doug Oster. Good morning, you two. Good morning. I am Doug Oster from the Tribune Review and EverybodyGardens.com. And I am horticulturist Jessica Wallace, and we are live from Buffalo, New York, which is pretty cool, uh, at the Garden Writers Conference, the 16th annual, uh, I guess I should say, Garden Communicators Conference. And uh, we've been having a really great time, and uh, Buffalo has been very, very welcome, and we've seen some really incredible gardens. Yeah, we're... uh... Also doing some work with Davy Tree here. We're doing a, a live uh, Facebook post, uh, live Facebook video uh, every day that we're here, and we're doing one a little later on this afternoon, which has been a lot of fun. But uh, yeah, Buffalo is a pretty cool city and uh, very welcoming and uh, amazing gardens, and also a tree city too. And one of my favorite things about some of the gardens that we saw yesterday is there, there's a cottage district and so there's all these little small cottage houses with really accessible beautiful lovely sweet gardens and we got to tour a bunch of them yesterday and i think we're going to go back and see more of them today also and so i know both of us will be posting uh, you know pictures of the event and things on our facebook pages and on twitter and instagram and there's just so much to see and do and of course the educational conferences and i get to go heckle doug this afternoon in his uh video yeah I, i've got to speak i've got to speak to this group it'd be like to me it's like a, a songwriter having to go up in front of uh, the L.A. producers that are all jaded and everything. <laughs> this is going to be an, a, a tough audience. I'm nervous about it, but uh, I'm looking forward to try and show people a little bit of what I've learned about video. I, I do love making my videos, and, and you know I'm going to try and tell them to just be yourself. And in my case, that means silly and stupid, but not everybody can be silly and stupid. Uh, uh, Jessica, like she's, she's, she's the scientist. She can't be silly and stupid, but I can be silly and stupid. That, that's, in fact, I'm really good at being silly and stupid. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, back home uh, there in Pittsburgh, you know, I'm hearing a lot of people uh, wait, still waiting for tomatoes, and they're just like, what's going on? What's going on? And I'm just like, just wait, just wait. They'll come when they're ready, you know. I don't think we're, we're behind in the season. Do you, Jess? 
I don't eat. I mean, well, yeah, I usually have a couple of ripe tomatoes by this time of year, and I don't yet, but there's a ton of green ones on the plant. That's the first important thing. And you have to remember, we still have many, many weeks of gardening season to go. And so I think that they're still, you know, they're going to continue to ripen, and hopefully we won't have any really early frosts. Um, that impact the harvest as well. But I think there's still plenty of time. There's really nothing you can do. You know, sometimes you see those things going around the Internet. Oh, how to ripen tomatoes? Well, they're still on the plant and all this stuff. Um, when they're still attached to the plant, there's really nothing you can do. You just have to let nature ripen them. So it's not really worth worrying about. You just have to be patient and, and you know, wait for them to continue to ripen. I've been picking this uh, heirloom called Violet Jasper, and it kind of looks like it's kind of a dark red with like kind of brownish stripes. It's a saladette size, so bigger than a cherry, but smaller than a slicing tomato. And boy, I'm really loving it. And that thing already started producing, and it is filled with those green tomatoes. Um, the other thing with tomatoes is uh, all that early blight and septoria leaf spot. We are definitely seeing a lot of that. I'm hearing a lot about that, and I've got it myself. And so I'm removing that infected foliage. I'm spraying them with the organic fungicide that we recommend called Serenade. And, you know, these early uh, fungal issues, they're not going to kill the plant. They just kind of slow it down. And, you know, just with this kind of weather, there's just no way around it. There isn't, and this is funny because I was talking about this very subject yesterday with a bunch of other garden communicators from the East Coast here, and we sort of kept pointing out yesterday on these tours all of the street trees here in Buffalo that have different fungal issues crop up, and I mean, they're they're all mostly aesthetic issues and nothing that's going to kill the tree, and they're usually temporary, and by next season, if we have a drier spring and summer, things will dry out, so they're not really something on, on on a perennial tree or a woody plant that you really have to worry too much about because they do tend to be temporary. But we in Pittsburgh are not isolated with the problem of fungal diseases this year. Every region here in the east that has has had excessive rain this spring is facing a lot of powdery mildew and rusts and, uh, you know, spots and blights and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, it, I guess there's misery, or what is that? Misery loves company? And we have plenty of company this season with all of these issues. And- All right, ladies and gentlemen, 13 minutes past 7 o'clock. We're going to get a quick break in here, then head back to Buffalo with Doug and Jess. Still waiting for some calls to get all of your questions in, even though they're on the road. They are here to take your questions at 866-391-1020. Dollar Bank Instant Access, kdk.com. And congratulations to Marie from Westview, winner of that $25 gift certificate from Sorgles. Back to Buffalo with Doug and Jess and more of the Organic Gardens in just a couple of moments on News Radio 1020, KDK. Doug and Jessica teach you how to keep it green. The Organic Gardeners. News Radio 1020 KDKA. Hey, today the last chance to visit the 40th anniversary celebration of the EQT Pittsburgh Three Rivers. Stop by and check out the BMX stunt show. The Anything That Floats race, power boat races, and much more finishing with the performance tonight by the Defibrillators and the Regatta Thunder Fireworks. For more information, visit kdk.com. Doug and Jess in Buffalo and on the phone. Our first call of the day is Alice. Alice, good morning and welcome to the Organic Gardeners on KDK. How are you? Good morning. I have the most beautiful hydrangea bush, Um, two of them. And I've had them a couple years, but they have never bloomed. 
Yes, this is the number one question that we get on this radio show. Every year we have people calling about their hydrangeas, and we always like to say, well, the problem is that you live in Pittsburgh. Uh, <laughs> hydrangeas, um, they carry their flower buds on what's called old wood. So the growth from the previous season is what's holding the flower buds. So sometimes people go out in the spring and they see what they think are dead stalks sticking out of the top of the bush and they prune those off. And when those get pruned off, um, on mop-headed hydrangeas, which are the big pink and blue ones we all love, when you cut those off, you're actually cutting off your flower buds for that season. So um, we always say the best pruning on a hydrangea is no pruning at all, but there's certainly other things that you can do to encourage them to bloom as well. Yeah, and it's kind of a pain, and I'm doing it in my garden. I'm uh, putting some tomato sticks up uh, at the end of the season around that uh, hydrangea because the other thing that can happen is the buds can freeze out. And so I'm putting those tomato sticks up, and then I'm just surrounding the outside of the plant with burlap. Uh, sometimes you could use landscape fabric, uh, but that has got me more blooms. But if you ever think about replacing those hydrangeas, uh, there are some more reliable bloomers. Jess and I both love the old-fashioned Annabelle series. Uh, that's just a, you know, that one will bloom every are year. Are there uh, some that never bloom? a little bloom? bit of Latin here, but uh, the... Uh, Hydrangea paniculata uh, is one that's a more reliable bloomer. Oak leaf hydrangea is a little bit more reliable. Uh, so, like just says, you know, no pruning, and then if you want to, protect it for the winter, and hopefully you get blooms. It's funny, when I traveled to western Canada, they have the perfect climate for hydrangeas, and we just couldn't believe it. We were just so jealous to see these huge, you know, 10-foot-tall plants filled with blooms. You're not going to get that in Pittsburgh. All right, right back to the phones. Up next, it's Mary Lou for Doug and Jess. Hey, Mary Lou, good morning. Welcome to KDK's Organic Gardeners. Hello? Hey, Mary Lou. Hello? Hi, Mary Lou. Go ahead, Mary Lou. Go ahead. Okay, uh, one question. Why are there so many flies on, like, the hostas and uh, my hibiscus? I don't understand. They're like flies in clusters. Thank you for the answer. Go ahead, guys. Okay, so um, I'm not exactly sure by what she means by flies, and usually uh, hibiscus and hostas don't have any pests in common, so um, I'm wondering if she's seeing flies just happens to notice more of them, if maybe there's a higher population of flies in her garden this year that are harmless. I would say if you're, if you're not seeing any damage to the plant, so you're not seeing... You know, are you seeing holes in the foliage or anything like that that, that seems to be affecting the health of the plant? She is gone, so you just have oh, to forge okay. ahead alone. Gotcha, gotcha. So I would say if she's not seeing any damage to the foliage, that it's really nothing to worry about at all because, you know, obviously flies are just part of the of outdoors and they're part of the ecosystem. And But if she's seeing some, you know, holes in the foliage and she's really concerned about the health of the plant, then obviously she needs to take some time to observe exactly the, you know, what she's looking at and maybe see if she can catch one of them and take it to a local nursery to have it identified. And then we can talk about, you know, really without knowing exactly what it is. I mean, fly is such a broad category. So we, without knowing exactly what it is, it's hard to say how you should uh, control it or handle it. What's, but, what's funny is last Sunday I bumped into Jessica and uh, Ty and her husband kayaking at North Park, and I heard Ty go, 
mom, this fly is bothering me. And Jess is like, oh, that's a surfeit fly. She's identifying the insects that are bothering us. <laughs> Quite a moment, I thought. <laughs> well, I'm glad you thought that was funny, Doug. <laughs> Too funny. So do we have any other callers online waiting no, to talk to us? No, we don't. Let me just remind everyone that Doug and Jess are in Buffalo. Big Garters writing get-together and receiving all sorts of good awards. So they're on location, but you can still call in with your questions. We have every single line available right now at 866-391-1020, Dollar Bank Instant Access, kdk.com. And if you can't get through on the phone lines or you just don't have time to wait around, best way to get that question in is to go to kdk.com, look for the Dollar Bank Instant Access icon, click on it, type in your question, and hit send and we'll get it to Doug and Jess on the air. But again, always the best way to talk in person is by calling in at 866-391-1020, Dollar Bank Instant Access, kdk.com. Doug? Yeah, uh, we were talking a little bit uh, about the fungal issues that we're seeing out there, and we should talk a little bit about powdery mildew and black spot. Those are on uh, things like phlox. We see the powdery mildew on uh, zucchini, vine crops, things like that. And then the black spot is a rose disease. And again, that, uh, that serenade is our favorite thing to use uh, for both of those things. But there's actually a homemade recipe for powdery mildew, right, Jess? Uh, there is, and it's actually one that was studied at, at Cornell University. So normally, Doug and I don't like to recommend homemade mixtures for things because you can get into some pretty dangerous concoctions, and they don't always work, and sometimes they cause leaf drop on your plants. And so we normally don't mix, just you know, recommend that mixing up a bunch of stuff at home and spraying it on plants. But there is a mixture that uh, helps control powdery mildew, and it's called the Cornell Mixture because it was developed at Cornell University and studied there. And it's essentially a mixture of horticultural oil, uh, which you can buy at the local garden center, and you mix uh, horticultural, concentrated horticultural oil. Uh, I believe it's a tablespoon of horticultural oil to a gallon of water, and then you also mix two tablespoons of uh, baking soda, which is uh, potassium bicarbonate, and that mixture together with that water uh, will help keep the fungal spores of powdery mildew from uh, growing, germinating and growing on that plant and really affecting it, its health and its uh, appearance. And so that can be done. Usually with fungicides, they're always best used as a preventative before the fungal problem really takes hold of the plant. So once you know your plant's really starting to show signs of, of powdery mildew and uh, black spot and things like that, it's it's really hard to control. You just want to keep it from spreading, but you're not going to you know make it, it's not going to instantly go away. So, but uh, that's one other product that you can use that uh, that does really work quite effectively against those. Yeah, on my uh, climbing rose, I have a black spot, and I want to protect the new growth. Uh, and so, yeah, yeah, as you said, using that fungicide as a preventative uh, up on that new growth hopefully will give me that second flush of blooms that I'm longing for <laughs> in my roses when we get later in the season. Uh, also doing some planting this time of the year. You know, we're, we're setting up for fall, uh, trying to get some uh, vegetables growing in the garden so that uh, we can harvest later on in the season. You know, it's a good time to start things like uh, some beets, some greens, some, you know, like lettuce, uh, maybe some spinach. What do you think, Jess? Is it too early for spinach? I'd, I'd wait a little bit for spinach. I usually wait till late, uh, 
you know, mid to late August, even into early September for spinach, because actually if you can get that spinach to overwater or overwinter, excuse me, you'll be harvesting both this fall and then next spring as well. So you should get a double harvest out of that crop, which is kind of cool. I, I was like crops that will do that for you. Hey, don't forget today our good friends at Sorgles are going to have their Peach Festival 2017. That's going to begin at 11 o'clock this morning. All sorts of good things that have to do with peaches. Of course, Doug, Randy, everyone out there at Sorgles, so please feel free to stop out. And, of course, uh, Jess and I would love to take a little time to give them some love and remind you they're going to have hamburgers and hot dogs and pulled pork sandwiches and all sorts of good stuff. They're going to have a food barn, tractor rides, pony rides, and, of course, some delicious peach ice cream and bakery goods to go along with it. And yes, this time of year, nothing like some good old-fashioned delicious roasted corn. That is Sorgles Orchard. It's their peach festival today, beginning at 11 a.m., and it's going to be happening until 5 o'clock. All right, let me take a, a few moments here to uh, go to our next caller, and that is Courtney in Pittsburgh. Courtney, good morning. Welcome to the Organic Gardeners. How are you? I'm great, thank you. Um, following up on your hydrangea um, conversation, um, I have two climbing hydrangeas that are huge but never bloom. <laughs> yeah, they are a plant that everybody loves, but man, oh, man, they like to take their time. How old are the plants? Mm, four or five years. Okay, so you're just on the cusp of seeing blooms. Usually we see those plants in gardens for about but anywhere between three and six years before we start to see blooms on them. So there's an old saying about climbing hydrangeas. It's, uh, what is it? First they creep, first they, first they sneak, then they creep, then they leap or something like that. So All right, they, hold on. Creep. Creep. <laughs> it's sleep. Sleep, creep, creep, and leap. Creep, and leap, right. Sleep, creep, and leap. So it takes a number of years for them to become mature enough in order to start to flower. But then... The first year you see those flowers, you know pretty much that you're going to have consistent and reliable blooms from there on out. They are great, great plants for covering you know, fences and low walls, especially in shady areas. As you know, their flowers are gorgeous. So I would say just continue to be patient with the plant and, and keep your fingers crossed that next year is the year they start to produce those flowers. What, what about fertilizing them? Um, there's really, you don't really have to. I mean, if you do you add compost or, uh, you know, mulch or amend your I've soil been doing in any way. Meal. What meal? Bone meal? Bone meal. Okay. Okay. So I would say you don't even need to do that around that hydrangea. Okay. I mean, they're like pretty lean soils. They don't like anything that's excessively uh, fertile. So I would say okay. just cut that. You don't, you don't want to end Perfect up with any nutritional imbalances in there. So just kind of okay. let it alone. Okay. All right. Great. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks for the call. Listen, we've got still a half hour to go with Doug and Jess on location in Buffalo today. And a lot of calls coming in. Dan, Jack, Martin, we'll get to all of you. Still waiting for some Dollar Bank instant access messages this morning. If you can't get through via the phone lines, you can always visit us and get your question into Doug and Jess at kdk.com. Look for the Dollar Bank instant access icon. And I will do the rest after you click send and get that question into us. Hey, next, our roasted chicken recipes, ladies and gentlemen. It's going to be a great show with... Joe and Frank Dentisi, rotisserie chicken recipes. It's coming up next hour. Then Heffron Tillotson's Your Money and You. And then we wrap up this uh, long day with Heffron Tillotson's Money and You. And then it is the Coons Market Black and Gold Sunday Show. So stick with us. More of Doug and Jess in Buffalo as we continue on your Sunday morning weekend magazine on News Radio 1020 KDKA. Doug and Jessica teach you how to keep it green. The Organic Gardeners. 
News Radio 1020 KDKA. All right, right back at it with Doug and Jess. They're in Buffalo, and this is the Organic Gardeners. We've got every single line on hold. We're going to get to all of your calls before the half hour is up. And remember, you can get that question in at Dollar Bank Instant Access KDK.com. Today, your last chance to visit the 40th annual celebration of the EQT Pittsburgh Three Rivers. Stop by and check out the BMX Stunt Show, the Anything That Floats race, powerboat races, and much more. Finishing with their performance tonight by the defibrillators at the regatta, and of course, the Thunder Fireworks display will be on hand as well. For more information, visit kdka.com. Next hour, it's all about your favorite rotisserie chicken recipes with Joe and Frank Dantisi on the Coons Cooking Hour. All right, let's say hi to Dan. Good morning, Dan, and welcome to the Organic Gardeners on KDKA. Hello, good morning. How are you today? We're doing good. What's on your mind? Okay, um, I had a question about some pear trees. Um, I have two that are, I would say, about 20 years old and maybe 30 feet tall and like 6 to 8 inch trunk diameter at the base. And this year, the leaves on them, they're starting to come off the tree and they, they, as green, but they have black spots on them. And yep. lately, I've noticed that a lot of the pears are just falling off, and they're not fully developed. They're like, you know, probably three-quarters developed. They're hard as a rock yet, and um, I, I don't know what's going on, if it's got a blight or if they're just you know, both of them are checking out. I'm not sure. Yeah, so this this ties back into the conversation that we had here in the first half of the show, which is how this is such an unusual year for fungal diseases in the garden, and I suspect that's what's going on with your pear tree. Um, the, you know, the way you describe it, if, if they were, you know, if the shoot tips were dying and turning black, I would say it might be fire blight, but which is a pretty common uh, pathogen on pears. But that's not how you're describing this one. So I think there's just a fungal issue that has struck the tree. Um, again, as we spoke about earlier, once you start to see those symptoms, there's very little you can do about it. But it does not mean that you're automatically going to have these problems again next year. Many times fungal issues, you know, wax and wane depending on the weather and how conditions are and whether the fungal spores are around or not. So one of the things that I would suggest that you do this year is um, when all the fruits drop off the tree and when the foliage falls off in the autumn, you really need to rake up and collect all of that fallen fruit and all of those leaves and either burn them or throw them away in the garbage. Because if if it's a fungal issue, as I suspect, and you leave those leaves and fruit lay underneath the tree, Next spring, those fungal spores are going to be around and you risk, uh, you know, there's an increased chance of reinfection for next year. So have good sanitation around those trees and get rid of that diseased foliage. And hopefully we'll have a drier spring and summer next year and you won't, you know, the, the plants will not have the same Jess, issue again. how about treating that next spring? What should he be, let's let it go or should he treat it in, in the spring because it's well, be you know. Yeah, I would do like a dormant oil or horticultural oil spray in the winter when the tree is dormant, so like in February or early March before it leaves out. Um, And that can help smother some overwintering fungal spores that might be clinging to the branches or the twigs of the tree. So that's usually a must. That should be an automatic in every orchard uh, to do that dormant oil spray because it also uh, smothers overwintering insect eggs and overwintering insects. So that should be kind of an automatic for everybody. I wouldn't automatically do... 
fungal preventative um, next spring unless we really have this continued cool, wet weather, uh, which is sort of the recipe for fungal issues in the garden. So if we start to see the similar weather pattern next year, then yeah, I would definitely say do that. But otherwise, I'd just stick with that dormant oil spray in February or March and cross our fingers for a little bit of a drier season next year. All right, Dan, thanks for the call. Let's go to Jack uh, in Economy. Hey, Jack, good morning. Good morning. Great show. Uh, Three things real quick. I have watermelon plants, and I have three watermelons, but the other ones that are coming in will stay there for so long, and then they'll rot out and die. Lucky you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we're just sitting here thinking, like, oh, that's the... That doesn't sound yeah. good. <laughs> and, and, but here we go again, right, with something that I suspect is tied to a fungal issue because of this ridiculously wet weather that we've been having. I mean, okay. lots of fruits and vegetables, both the fruits themselves and the vines and the plants are subjected to, you know, various rocks and things, and we have this really wet weather. So I think one of the things that you can do with that watermelon is once you start to see the tiny fruits develop on the vine, Put some sort of layer of mulch, whether it's straw or a piece of cardboard or um, just maybe get one of those like uh, plastic strawberry baskets that you get strawberries in from the grocery store and and put the watermelon, you know, flip it over and put the watermelon on top of it. So it's resting and it has good air circulation around the entire fruit. And that can help, you know, stave off any fungal issues and keep the bottom of that fruit from rotting as it sits on the ground. And I think that's really going to help uh, encourage those fruits to reach maturity. Oh, you want to be picking watermelons at the end hey, Can I say one more thing sure. real quick? Sure. Hey, uh, uh, Doug, you're, uh, when you went up to uh, D.C. a couple years ago, that part of the country, I had two chances to go up there. First time was, or second time was my honeymoon. But the first one time was on a 10-speed bicycle. And real quick, coming out of the uh, Canadian Rockies onto the Alberta Plains, headed towards uh, Calgary, I saw this gentleman coming the other way, so I zipped over and talked to him. And he was sort of asking me about the hills. And I looked at him. I didn't know to cry or laugh at him because he was on a unicycle coming from Toronto. (laughs) (sighs) From Toronto to British Columbia on a unicycle? Yes, to Vancouver. Boy, just when I thought I was crazy, that's really crazy. Oh, my gosh, you got to be in darn good shape to do that. Oh, boy, man. oh, boy. <laughs> that's oh, crazy. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks so much for your calling. Good luck with those watermelons. All right, listen, we're going to take a break. But before we do, let me uh, give you an opportunity to get a big break, taking home a $25 gift certificate from Janoski's. We will take the 10th caller at 412-922-1020 is the number to dial. and Jessica teach you how to keep it green. The Organic Gardeners. This Radio 1020 KDKA. All right, let's say good morning to our next caller for Doug and Jess, who are on the Disc Institute of Pittsburgh Newsline as they are live in Buffalo today. It's Eleanor in that great community of Wexford. Good morning, Eleanor. Welcome to KDKA. Good morning. I have a question. <clears throat> About three years ago, we purchased a rhododendron bush and it was just ready to bloom, and it bloomed beautifully, and it has not bloomed since. What's the problem? Uh, Do you prune the rhododendron at any point in the season? Uh, No, we really don't. I deadhead them. Okay, good. You've got to be careful when you're deadheading, uh, because as as soon as they're done blooming, you know, just a, a couple weeks 
after that, they start putting buds on again. Um, I've seen people deadhead and remove the buds accidentally. That's a possibility. Do you know, do you see it putting buds on uh, at the after it's done blooming? No, it didn't put buds out. It, uh, it just didn't uh, produce buds. Okay, but it did produce new growth. Did you see some new growth and new shoots yeah, on the plant? Yeah, it did produce new growth. Okay, and are you doing any fertilization on that plant at all? No, I haven't. Okay, that's actually good because I was worried you were going to say, yes, I'm adding lots and lots of fertilizer to it, which is probably, well, it is the wrong thing to do in terms of just adding a general fertilizer because if you add too much nitrogen, it's going to produce a lot of green, but it might not produce as many flowers. So what I would do actually is I would fertilize, but I would use something like Hollytone. And Hollytone is a specific fertilizer for evergreens, which obviously a rhododendron is a broad-leaved evergreen. And that can help uh, correct the pH of the soil and, uh, and make it uh, proper for acid-loving plants, and it can help stimulate that bloom production as well. Jess, could but, you put on a, a light application this time of the year? Yeah, you could, but the, the deal is uh, the buds are already formed for next year. So if you do not see buds on the plant now, um, you're, that also means you're not going to have flowers for the following season because those buds should be developed by now on rhododendrons. So um, you would sort of see that little conical bud shape at the tips of, of, of all of those shoots. So I think at this point we're probably aiming for flowers for 2019, which sounds a little scary, but I certainly don't think that uh, adding that hollytone this time of year would hurt the plant in any way. Okay. Well, thank you. All right. Well, thank you very much. Have a great day. All right. Let's hit some of these uh, Dollar Bank instant access questions so these folks don't feel left out. Uh, from Mary Ann says, I'd like to replace some flowering plants that are no longer performing. Any ideas? Who would like to take a stab at that one? Well, we want to know if it was sun or shade, so I guess we'll just take a guess and we'll do a couple of each. Uh, you know, one of our favorite flowering perennials uh, is something called Corridulus lutea, and it, it really it really only has that Latin name. There are some common names for it, but uh, and I saw them. Uh, I saw, I've seen Corridulus at, at a lot of different nurseries, and the reason I'm, I'm choosing that plant is because it can grow either in the shade or the sun, and most perennials don't bloom that long. You know, it's a, it's a plant that just continues to come back year after year, and usually they we see foliage all year, but Corridulus starts blooming early in the season, sometimes as early as April, and then goes all the way through, like last year with that easy start to winter, went all the way through till November with blooms. That's a long time to have blooms on. And as I said, since we don't know if it's shade or sun, that plant is, is basically tough as nails. It will, it will grow in dry shade, and it will grow out in, in a little bit of sun, too. All right. Uh, Dollar Bank Instant Access from Tammy. Planted pole beans this spring. The plant's beautiful, but very little blossoms or beans. Bad seeds or bad soil? What do you think? Hey, I don't think it's bad anything. I think it's bad weather conditions. <laughs> Again. Again. Here we go. Back to this. How the weather conditions are so tied to the performance of the garden. And, you know, it has been definitely uh, a crazy, ridiculous year weather-wise. Um, we still have plenty of gardening season to go. I have two trellises with pole beans at my house. They were both planted in the uh, middle to late May. The seeds were planted. 
one of them has started to produce. It's a, a shorter season. Uh, it, it started to produce it when the plants were about, uh, let's see here, 60 days old. My other one has yet to produce a single bean. So I think it is the variety that you chose is just a longer season variety combined with the weather conditions, but I certainly wouldn't give up on those pole bean plants. If the plants are healthy and maybe you're starting to see little bitty flower buds develop on there, and if you're having the flowers starting to show up, the beans will be there. Just give it a little bit more time. All right, from Linda, tomato rot, some of the tomatoes, what causes it and how can I prevent it? Well, if it's rotting on the bottom of the tomato, that's called blossom end rot, and that's usually a watering issue. Uh, What happens is the plant can't access the calcium that it needs. The calcium is usually in the soil, but with, again, the weather, when we have these, you know, downpours of rain and then if it's not mulched and the soil dries out a little bit, uh, we'll see blossom end rot. The good news is if you keep that soil just evenly moist, uh, you know, and remove the rotted tomatoes, a lot of times the second set of tomatoes up the plant won't have the blossom and rot and will uh, ripen normally. Last Dollar Bank Instant Access question from Lori. Uh, Jess, Doug, could someone recommend an organic herbicide that will eliminate weeds? Thank you. Yeah, so um, again, I much prefer people to hand weed or to mulch to get, you know, to smother out those weeds from happening in the first place. Yep. Yep, absolutely. But if you have, like, say, a driveway or a patio or walkway or a gravel path where you have weeds coming up in it and you really want to get rid of them, there are a few different types of organic herbicides that we would recommend, a few different brand names. They're usually based on a combination of acetic acid, uh, which is horticultural-grade vinegar, essentially, much stronger than what you would see, uh, you know, in your pantry, uh, with soaps fatty acids and um, and also sometimes clove oil and other plant essential oils that will help kill a plant. We do not recommend ever mixing up anything out of your pantry to kill weeds. I know people do this a lot. It's really dangerous for soil life. It could potentially be dangerous to you. So I would stick with the commercial ones. There's a few different brand names. There's one called Burnout. There's another one called Nature's Avenger. There's one called um, uh, Whitney, I think it's Whitney Farms Lawn Weed killer. So there's a couple different brand names out there. You can do little Google internet searches for them and and find out the organic herbicides, but use the commercially prepared ones. Do not mix your own up in your kitchen. And you know, I've I've always heard good things about burnout. You know, I've Mm -hmm. turned friends onto it and when you go out there on a hot sunny day at noon and go into those cracks in the driveway, it's a very, very effective uh, organic herbicide. All right, let's take our final break. Come back, wrap up the hour with Doug and Jess. They are in Buffalo today. And this is your organic garden. Doug and Jessica teach you how to keep it green. The organic gardeners. News Radio 1020, KDKA. All right, got a couple of minutes, just enough time for them to kind of wrap up and explain why they've been in Buffalo and what's still to come. And just some closing remarks from Doug Oster and Jessica Wallace, are both from TribLive.com and Great Scape Company, and also every week, 7 to 8, on The Organic Gardener. So, crew, tell them why you're in Buffalo. Yeah, we're here for the uh, 
Garden Writers Convention. Give me the official name, Jessica. <laughs> the Association of Garden Communicators but wait for is a the minute. official you, name. You, you, you folks, you won't believe this. So, so we're in Buffalo. We're doing this uh, show from a hotel room. And what is Jessica doing? She's looking at all the bugs that are on the window and saying, look at the amazing antenna. Look at this. Look caught in this uh, spider web. It's bugs, bugs, bugs always for you, Jess. Well, listen, we're four stories up in this, you know, room, and uh, I, I should state, by the way, we're not sharing a room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're a show from the same room. I need to clarify that. Let's, you know, somebody be listening that would start a rumor. But anyway, we're four stories up. You don't often get to see the insects that are up higher in the sky. So, yeah, I'm standing Every at the window looking out. Around. Look at this. Look at, the, look at the antenna on the mail. It sends out pheromones. And I'm like, huh, interesting. No, it picks up the pheromones. Oh, it doesn't oh, sorry. Out. The female says. <laughs> the pheromones out, and the male has feathery antenna to pick up the pheromones. I looked out but, that window every yeah. day for three days and never saw anything, <laughs> <laughs> except the skyline. You have to point out my nerdiness every time, don't That's you? That's my job. <laughs> <laughs> so we are here for the Association for Garden Communicators. This is our 69th annual conference, and one of the things I'd like to encourage all our listeners to do is, as they know, if they listen to the program regularly, that Davy Tree is one of our um, terrific, excellent, awesome sponsors, and we've had the pleasure of doing some live uh, Facebook videos with Davy Tree uh, while we've been here, and we're going to do a live video with uh, one of their arborists today. Yesterday, we talked to Sandra Reed, who gave us a lot of background on the company uh, and how it started and sort of what their mission is, and you can see those Facebook live videos. They're posted both on my Facebook page and on Doug's Facebook page as well, so we'd love if you'd share them, give them a little bit of love. Uh, there's a really interesting story of Davy Tree, and, and we really like people to, to have a listen to that. And, and we've been, and having, we've been having fun doing the live videos, you know, the 10-minute live video interview uh, and learning about uh, all sorts of different things with trees and such. And I'm really looking forward today to talking to the arborist and picking his brain about what's going on here in Buffalo with the same kind of weather we've had uh, back home. Going to give these guys about another minute, then we're going to get to the news at 8 o'clock and then right into the uh, Coons Cooking Hour. So the final minute now with Doug and Jess up there in Buffalo. Go ahead, guys. So one other thing I'd like to do here, even though uh, Doug and I are looking at each other as we do this program, each on our own separate phones, uh, phones I want to wish Doug good luck uh, <laughs> at the awards ceremony on Monday night. Uh, he's up for uh, a gold award here. We are, he already won, won the silver award for uh, it was best writing for one of the columns that he wrote for the trip, and now he's up for a gold award. And I want to wish you good luck. We're not in the same category. Yeah, well, good luck to you too because so, you're up right. for uh, best blog. You're, she's won a silver, and so she's going to uh, be going tomorrow night too up for a gold uh, for the Savvy Gardening blog. So it's exciting for us to be here uh, in Buffalo and, and pick up our, our awards. And yeah, we'll both cross our fingers for each other and hope that that uh, gold award uh, comes for one of us at least. All right. The producer has just cued you both to give your signature close and we'll get to the news at eight. Take it away. Remember, the organic gardeners always aim to create a better place to garden. And a safer place to live. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of colors starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.